orphanages. There were no hospitals. There was none of that. And so if you were, uh, if you were an orphan or a widow, you were most likely had no support system and you, 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 you had nobody to depend on. And in that ancient world, especially in the Roman culture, there was no ethic, there was no cultural philosophy that inspired you or even compelled you to care for others. The reality is you become like the gods you worship. And so the, God, the, the people who worship idols and the people who worship the gods uh, of, 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 of culture, you know, like the Roman gods or like in other cultures around today, the Hindu gods and such, you become like those gods. And if your gods aren't helping the poor, well, you don't help the poor. Most of the gods, and by gods I don't mean they're real, obviously. I mean most of the lies out there do not promote justice. I mean, you don't have world cultures walking around saying, we should be humble. We should give our lives for others. You don't, you don't have that as a value, except where Christianity, except where the scriptures have influenced that culture. You notice it says that true religion is to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one unspotted from this world. It is something we're called to do to resist the sin of this world, to resist the cultural influences that are not of, that did not lead us to Jesus, right? It, it is so important for you and I to maintain personal purity, sexual purity, uh, financial purity, integrity. It's so important for us to say no to sin and to make sure that we walk in personal integrity and righteousness. It's so, so important, isn't it? And we're called to do that as Christians, and you see that represented in this chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27. And yet it's not the only thing we as Christians are called to. So often we in our Western tr- Christian culture We'll, we'll emphasize saying no to sin or we'll emphasize how broken our culture is and how we need to be different from our culture. And yet, do you see that James is saying that to be different from the culture and to be a, the people of God is not just a matter of personal holiness or personal integrity or personal righteousness, but a matter of corporate righteousness or social justice. Simply meaning that to walk in righteousness, to be like Jesus, to be holy as God is holy, doesn't just mean I'm not going to look at that bad thing or I'm not going to steal that money, although that's really important. Don't do those things, right? But it actually means that we become a force of righteousness, weapons of righteousness, a force of justice, and we don't just not do the bad stuff, we actually do the good stuff. Does it make sense, right? I mean, it's, it's really a very simple message today. And so, what we need to do is not just resist the influences of culture, we're called to transform culture, too. Does it make sense? That we're not just called to say, we're going to be different, we're going to be set apart, we're going to be holy, that's good. But to be holy actually means to go into the world, not to be of the world, but to be in the world, and to become influencers of that world. Holiness changes things that are not holy to become holy. Salt changes things. Light changes things. We're to be change agents. The Lord wants us to be this way. Listen to what the scriptures say about Father God. Sing to God, this is uh, King David, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. By his name, Yah, rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. He sets the solitary or lonely in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Yes, that word is in the Bible. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God is the father of fatherless, defender of orphans and widows. This is who God is. This is what David knew God to be. He's declaring, God, you're the sovereign almighty God. You ride on the clouds. It means you're exalted, the most high God. And you're the one who heals the heart of the broken. You, You come and you mend the broken. You bring the lonely into a family. You heal, you restore, you redeem. This is who God is. Well, we're called to be holy as he is holy. Amen? See, if, um, think of it this way, if God, God created the family system, didn't he? He made us in his image, 
And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he commanded the very first blessing and commandment, that he was be fruitful, multiply. God created the family system. He created it so that children would be raised by mom and dad, that mom and dad would be one flesh, be committed to each other, not divorce, for their whole life. That's the way that society is held and bound together. And so therefore, that's part of the reason why holiness is so important, that we would love one another, keep our promises, that we would be kind, that we would serve and such. But sin and injustice breaks that system, doesn't it? I mean, come on. What was the, one of the first uh, social sins, I guess you could say, is Cain killed his brother Abel. Sin destroys families. Okay? It brings divorce. Yeah, we, I mentioned to you last week that three-fourths of the homes in, in, in uh, America are fatherless. Okay, there might be a stepdad there, but just, there's just tremendous brokenness in our culture because of sin, because of pornography, because of uh, addictions and adultery and things like that. And of course, we as the church, we need to repent of those personal issues. But why? Why does God want us to get healed up? Why does He want us to repent so that we can step into our calling to be a force of righteousness in this world that brings transformation? He wants, if, if the family system is how he created the world, and it would be the way children find out what Father God is like from their parents. Children rise up and find their identity, find out who they are called to be in the context of a, of a whole home, a home, a home that's, where there's peace and wholeness. Sin and injustice breaks that system, doesn't it? The family is so targeted by the enemy. Well, then what's the answer? Jesus came to bring healing to individuals and to families. The Lord wants us to be those very ones that bring healing to homes, to bring healing to marriage, to bring healing to children, to bring healing to those families. We're to be the people of His kingdom, the conduits of His righteousness invading earth that repair that system. You know, that's what the church is, right? The family of God. We're to be the picture of a united whole family to the world. And our families are to be a picture of what oneness and peace and wholeness look like. Amen? God is called Father, and we are His children. Every single one of us who have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and have been bought by His blood, we are children of God the Father. And if you're here today and you don't, have not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ, you're, you're, a chi- you're a child of God. Even if you've been separated from God by sin, that's why Jesus died, so that you could be reconciled to the Father. And the Bible says adopted. So, but every one of us who, who are Christ followers, we've been adopted by the Father. The Bible actually says in Romans chapter 8 that we've been given the spirit of adoption. Isn't that interesting? We were the prodigals. We were the separated ones. We were the sinners. We were the rebellious, and the Father has so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And by His blood, He ransomed us and then adopted us and gave us His Spirit inside of us. If the Father is that way, if His Spirit of adoption is inside of us, what does that call every single one of us to be? Do you see that, if you will, is the foundation for the, the, the author James coming in and saying true religion is to take care of orphans and widows. Is he talking about earning our salvation? No, not at all. He's talking about if God is Father and you've been adopted and the spirit of adoption is literally burning inside of you, the Holy Spirit, who is called the spirit of adoption, is burning inside of you, of course it would awaken in our hearts a love for the hurting and the broken, the fatherless, the orphan, the widow. Do you see that? That's what he wants. He wants to so reveal his love to you that it overflows in love to others. He so wants to give you his righteousness that his righteousness produces righteousness through your life that brings impact and transformation to other people. This is what the Lord wants. I remember one time the Lord... um, uh, I was, well, okay, ever since I came to the Lord, I was just kind of obsessed with this idea of uh, justice. And I saw it in the scriptures. And so I always wanted to understand why is there poverty, you know, and why is there prostitution and such. So 
in college, I did all these research papers on that, and uh, people would say, you know, oh, you're that kind of Christian, you know? I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> Sometimes there's a division in the Western church, you know, the social gospel and the and the uh, true gospel or something, when I'm thinking like, I thought we were supposed to preach Jesus. Uh, let me say it this way. Show people the Father's love and invite them to be adopted by Him. Amen? I mean, I don't see the separation. We who have been redeemed by the gospel are to then go and demonstrate it. So I just didn't get the separation in people's minds. But so I would write all these papers. I was always trying to find out the problem, though, to be honest with you. I was always trying to figure out why the, there was poverty, why there was prostitution and such. And by the way, I found out some amazing things about all that, which we go to, won't go into today. And then, like, when I was in my early 20s, I started researching more on a global scale. You know, what, what's, why, what is this going on? And I started being awakened to, uh, just informationally awakened to some of the massive problems that are in the world. And as you guys know, if you ever watch the news, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And as I continue to press into this, and ask the Lord, of course, the whole time, God's breaking my heart and giving me compassion. He's, I'm trying to think through what's my part in all this. I'm seeking the Lord, and of course, I always believe that Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. But I'm trying to understand this problem and what's the solution. And to be honest with you, because, you know, for 16 years of my life, I was raised in this culture, my brain, thinks in ter- my brain was thinking in terms of, like, things we can do to fix it, right? Things we can do to solve the problem. And I just kept pressing into this, Lord, what's the answer? What's the solution? And one time the Lord uh, talked to me, kind of coaching me through. This is some of the way the Holy Spirit will lead us to the Scriptures and bring revelation to us. And the Holy Spirit began to ask me, you ever ever notice that I never command Christians to end poverty? Mm, I don't know about that, Lord. Come on. Because that's really what I was thinking, you know? So I was like, come on. You know? He said, you ever notice that, like, I've never commanded every Christian to, like, end this thing? I don't know about that. So then I'm going to start playing exegete with, with, with the Holy Spirit, right? So I start, like, studying. I start looking in the Scriptures, and I'm, like, thinking, well, Holy Spirit, what, what, you know, what do you... And in the Holy Spirit said, what do I command Christians to do? What do I command you to do? Hmm. So I start looking into that, you know, what, do, what does the Bible actually say about these problems, but what does the Bible actually say that Jesus tells me to do, and every Christian, every Christ follower is commanded to do? Now, as I did that, I, w- I, I found some scriptures, and some of it I knew off the top of my head, so I'd say, well, you know, Holy Spirit, um, it, you do command kings to, to be a voice of justice, you do command people who are in influential positions to, fi- to create systems where there won't be poverty and oppression. And the Holy Spirit, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit's like, duh, no, you know. And I start realizing, I, I'm just kind of reasoning out, talking with the Lord and studying and stuff. And I, and I start to realize, by the way, people who have money, people who have power and position are called to, to do some of these things. Now, I'm not suggesting that means that it takes the form that it has taken in our Western culture in terms of welfare or things like that. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I mean is people who have influence, they are called to, us, uh, to do some, some things. So I saw that in the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit said, that's not what I'm talking to you about, David. I'm asking you, what is every Christian called to do? Just, just what are you called to do? I start, I'm talking Old Testament, New Testament. I just realized something. The Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit says, how come I never asked you to, like, end poverty? Why did, what did I ask you to do? Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Give a drink to the thirsty. Care for orphans and widows. Lord, how is that going to change the world? How is that going to, like, stop human trafficking? How is that going to do to change these systems of oppression. And the Holy Spirit didn't say this, but just like go with this, okay? Bingo. Duh. He's brilliant. And he doesn't think like us. That's what changes the world when you stop for the one. It has happened throughout church history Whenever the church rises up and cares for the least, the little, the lost, it always happens. There's something that the Lord 
sees. It's not what we can do to change systems. It's not what we can do to make laws and all that. And although I'm not against those things, by the way. Praise God for those people who do that and Christians who would bring laws and such. I mean, but we're talking about when people get Jesus' righteousness on the inside of them and then they go and do justice and mercy and walk humbly with their God. It begins to transform hearts of people. People get saved. Their lives are transformed. Na- families, cities, and even nations are transformed from the inside out. It happens all the time. It's happening right now. In Mozambique, ravished by war and uh, uh, the effects of a socialistic society that, that failed, tremendous homelessness, uh, orphans living in, in dumps and living on their own. And you have churches going in there. Uh, you have nonprofit organizations going in there, and they're doing their best. But statistics prove that a lot of times those nonprofit organizations, they don't change the lifestyle of the poorest of the poor. Okay, they do good, but they don't really get down to the bottom of the, the, the society and bring lift. But churches do. Churches go in there, and what's happening, like in Mozambique, there's this massive church planning movement of these people who have, they just went in and just started pastoring and adopting just take care of an orphanage the state couldn't do it so the, so the church stepped in and they just started with one orphanage now they just have tons of kids and what's happened is over the last number of decades that they go in and they pastor and shepherd these children people like heidi baker who is an as radical i mean we're talking like like uh, 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 mother Teresa on holy spirit steroids so She goes in and she will go into the city and find that prostitute, find that teenage prostitute, find that drug addict, find that rebellious teenager who's, who's stealing, and she will love them. She will invite them to her home. She will feed them. She will wash them. She will give them their, her kids' own clothes, her clothes. She will give them. She will invite them to become into their home. I mean, they give and give and give. They have had death threats. They have gone through droughts, and they have gone through... Uh, torrential rains that have just like devastated that country they've gone through all this and they keep adopting those children are now becoming the adults are becoming the pastors they fathered they've mothered the fatherless who are now becoming the fathers of their nation those kids are now becoming the pastors pastors in the organ they've got they've seen also men and women saved they get those people filled with spirit go get those people healed up they go out and pastor now at first i don't think this was required but that if you're going to pa- if you're going to pastor you're going to adopt and that's the heart of the father at first i don't think it started that way they just found like all over these villages pastors were just adopting kids and bringing them into their homes you know the same thing it's transforming that society it's transforming that society you go to cambodia which was devastated by the by the uh, communists and stuff like that and in the last couple of decades not just Foursquare, but uh, there's a Foursquare pastor named Ted Roberts there, and there's a number of other churches. They have gone in again, pastoring, preaching the gospel, adopting these kids who have no parents because they were killed. And they now, those kids, same thing, have been parented, discipled, loved, are raising up, and those kids are becoming the fathers of their nation. And those kids are going in and those kids are preaching the gospel and seeing whole villages saved. They're moving in power, in signs and wonders, and they're seeing their nation healed and transformed. Cambodia is on its way to becoming the next, if you will, Christian nation. Now by that I mean like, you know, how South Korea was transformed by the gospel from the 50s till now where there's, where there's about a third Christian and where it's influencing those those systems of society. This is our heart as a church, that we would be the fathers, the mothers to the least, the little lost, and that we would be his blessing to this community. Um, 
In fact, actually, bef Bob, before we, before we uh, turn to you and find out more from you, can we show that video called Man Up and Go? Really something that captures, I think, the heart of what I'm trying to communicate. Maybe we had a system failure today, yeah. Look at that. It's kind of like a, it's like an awkward face. It's the face that's on my face right now. Well, hey, we don't need video. We really want to hear from Bob. So even though the video is really cool. Bob, um, we're just really glad you're here and you would take your time. And, um, and so really start with why do you do what you do? Tell us your story. Tell us your passion. Go for it. Hi. Um, I do what I do because I was a kid in foster care. And going back uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, my dad was a gambler. My mom was not mentally stable. And so I found myself in foster care at 11 years old. So that's, uh, I think that's where it started. I didn't realize that till later in life, you know, because we kind of pushed that aside as being just a, a, a dark spot on our history and not want to come to it until the Lord reveals to us, no, that was there for a reason. Um, so... I actually was in uh, foster care for about three years and then and bounced around to about four different homes in that time, some good, some bad. Um, but there was, uh, God allowed me to experience that so I would know what kids are going through so I could bring a message uh, to hope for them. So I really speak for them. So why I do what I do is starting way back there. Um, and then uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we had two boys and we decided, we, uh, well, she decided actually, that uh, since I determined the gender, she didn't want to take that chance on a third one. Uh, so she wanted her little girl, right? Ladies, you understand, little dresses, all that frou-frou, right? Going shopping. Um, so she wanted a little girl. So we, uh, we decided to adopt through the foster care system. So um, that's some 17 years ago. But, you know, and ever since then, I've been uh, connected with Child Share, which is an organization that helps families who have a heart say, okay, I have a heart, but now what? Or churches say, yeah, I know what God's Word said, but now what? How do I do this? I, don't, I can't understand the foster care system. That's why Child Share was uh, 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 created, to help families who have a call for the orphan, to help them through that process. Yeah, boy, see, the technology goes, what are you going to do here? No, I'm just messing. Praise, the, praise God, the word is preached. So, what, again, what do we do? You look at, go make disciples of all nations, or you go look at, sometimes these commands in the Bible, but, but we don't always see it, do we, in our culture? Sometimes people have a nice clothes and, 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 and such, and we don't see their spiritual poverty either. So how do we see it? For, for us today, just give a, help us to see the foster system. Help us to understand, if you will, the problem or and even the opportunity uh, for us as as a church. Help us to get eyes. Okay, I'll do that. Yes, it's it's one of those things that not many people know about. Just to give you an overview, there are four hundred thousand children in this uh, United Free America of ours uh, that are in the foster care system, not by any choice of their own, um, just because of the choices of their parents. They've been um, taken from their parents and put into the foster care system. 18,000 right here in L.A. County and, um, and dozens in just a, a three-mile radius of this church that cry out for a mom and a dad. Um, that's kind of the overview of what's going on in foster care. Now, here's the real, here's the real deal. Um, half of those children are adoptable. Half, we, we hope and usually do, go back to be reunified with their parents or a relative. But, of course, if the parent is bad, you know that saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Sometimes the relative's not much better. So there's a lot of kids that need adoptive homes. Um, what happens, uh, or what has happened in the last 10 years is 200,000 of those children have emancipated out of the system and are on your streets. They're homeless. They are prostitutes because of human trafficking. They are on drugs. They are, uh, they're alcoholics. They're in gangs. They're in prisons. Because no one took the time to say, you know what? I can love that child. I can reach out to that child. It makes a huge difference. And, you know, people kind of ostracize the kids in foster care, thinking, well, those are foster kids. I've heard some bad things about foster kids. But let me tell you, if any one of you were raised in that situation, 
you would be confronted with those same choices, and you may not make the, the choices you think you would make. Uh, so we can't say it's them and us. It's us. Those are our kids. They're just precious kids created just like you were, miraculously and wonderfully made in the womb, but hit a very, very sinful, hard world and didn't know what to do because they didn't have a loving mother and father to guide them through that. As many of us know, many of us didn't have loving mothers and fathers to guide us through life, and we made some bad decisions. So you can imagine you could have zero. One child, uh, one little boy said it this way, and I think he really nailed it. I don't think people understand what it's like when you don't have someone to call mom and dad. I don't. I can't imagine how that would be like. No one. No one to call mom and dad. Um, so as far as the church goes, and I'll tell you some pretty exciting stuff. I, I love what you had to say, and I think where Pastor David is kind of going with this is, you know what, that's Mozambique, that's, uh, you know, um, oh, where's the other place? Cambodia, thank you. Um, but right here, we can do the same thing. It's right here in our door, and we're the church. We are the church. Unfortunately, the deal is, with those places, they know poverty. Those places, they know hurt. They know pain. They know war. We've kind of forgotten. We're pretty fat, dumb, and happy, aren't we? Aren't we? We are the richest nation in the world. I don't care how poor you are. You're still richer than anywhere else in the world. And we're pretty darn comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. But we're also missing the huge blessing. We're also missing what God has for us. Um, I'll tell you a really cool story that I think is just, um, just will really rock your world. Um, back in uh, the 1850s, we had orphanages. Um, the industrial age was full tilt, and, and people were coming from Europe and moving into New York, and it was just crazy. People were trying to get jobs. It was overcrowded. People were living, you know, just tend to a room. Craziness, and their kids were running rampant. So orphanages were overflowing. Um, so this man by the name of Charles Loring Brace, a Christian man, said, you know what? i got to do something for these kids. He knew that the best place for these kids was in a loving, godly home. So he devised a way to get these kids out of the city into the Midwest, into farmland, into, um, and he devised what was called the orphan trains. Have you heard of those? Anyone heard of the orphan trains? Well, the orphan trains were really miraculous. If you can even begin to understand the, uh, the organization that had to happen for this to happen, where you would have, um, you would notify at each town that a train was coming and it was going to have orphans on it, and if you were interested on taking in a child and caring for that child either till they could get back to their parents or forever, then you would come. And that's where that term up for adoption comes because these kids would actually step on the platform. Who's up for adoption? And farmers would say, you know what? Okay, we can take them. And that's how it would happen. Um, somewhere between 100 and 250,000 children in 75 years found godly homes and loving homes. Um, so that was amazing. But there's one man who said, you know what? I can do something. I can do more than zero. And we can get something going for these kids that are dying. They were really, I think they called them street rats, just running around causing com- trouble, disease, death, all those, one, all those horrible things. Um, but because one man saw that, and the church rose up, and we did something as a nation, said, yeah, we can do that. So we as a nation are at that same place um, this many years later, 400,000 kids in foster care. Half of them are adoptable. And uh, I know that I know when I come to a church that God has already sent his spirit before me because I pray, Lord, you go before me. I'm not here to bring a new message. It's not about me. It's not about child share. It's about child share helping those who've heard your voice and say, what do I do? God is calling me to this. Um, so that's, that's why I'm here today. You know, that's what I want, the message I want you to hear. Yeah, it's really been the church throughout, society, throughout history that has been the ones who even created orphans and hospitals. It was, there was their attempt to fulfill these commandments we see in Scripture on a broader scale. And yet sometimes those institutions like orphanages or, or uh, hospitals and such, they become privately owned or they, they become owned by the state and, you know, we get welfare and such. And, and those are good attempts at helping. But, yeah, we have sometimes we've forgotten that the, comma- the commands in the Bible, that we are responsible. So you, we can't ever stand before the Lord and say, but welfare took care of it, but the foster agency took care of it. But I thought... No, he said, you visit the sick, you go to the least, you go to the hurting and the broken and, 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 the, and the orphan. And as uh, Bob was saying, and, and I think you guys have, have, have heard, the statistics are very clear. The foster system, though there are good homes and there are good people there. In fact, many of my friends have worked in group homes before, my wife and Clint and 
obviously, these are amazing people. They were there because as Christians, they wanted to be light in the midst of, of those kids' lives. And yet there is a tremendous amount of abuse. And there's a tremendous amount of, of uh, identity gap and, and it leads to this. It, men, the high majority end up on the streets. Many of them were drugged because of behavioral issues, which probably was not their fault. Maybe they were born on crack or something like that, which it's amazing, by the way, that if you take a baby born on crack, it's so painful for that baby. That baby can be loved, and you can see their brain healed. You can see their soul healed just through the love and consistency and through the, the witness of the gospel to them. It's amazing, the transformation. And yet, you don't have those things, and their brain probably won't heal. The struggle in school, the struggle with behavior, uh, impulse control and such. And, and many of these kids, so then they put them on medication, and then when they're 18, they're emancipated. No medication, no home, no family. So what do you do? You go find drugs, or you go do whatever. I mean, most homeless kids out there are throwaways, or emancipated youth. They're not runaways in the way that we would think about it. And same thing, by the way, let me just mention, like, most of the people who are in prostitution, these are ladies, well, it's not just ladies, but these are ladies that statistically over 90% who have, quote-unquote, what we say, chosen that lifestyle, and, and sure, it's a choice, were sexually abused before they were three or four. They've proven this. So what are you being given? Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying, what I'm saying is that the gospel can heal them. The gospel is the power to save. The Holy Spirit comes in and sanctifies body, soul, and spirit. I mean, what I'm not saying is hopelessness or despair. That's not why I'm talking about this. What I'm talking about is we have the problems right there in front of us, what Bob is saying, that they end up most of the time in uh, prison or they end up with these things. I remember talking with some people before where maybe they didn't have that loving foster care or they didn't have that adoption. And sometimes there's that pain, like, towards God. I've talked to non-believers before, or even sometimes believers. Why not me? Where was God? And, you know, honestly, we can get all into the theological answers for all that and suffering and everything, but honestly, I think it's James one twenty seven. Because if you and I do what we're called to do, that kid will say, I know where God was. He was moving in that person's heart. Isn't that the kingdom coming to earth? People who receive righteousness from Jesus, not who earn it, right? And become righteous and then become that to the world. And then people can say, I, I, I encountered God, not just through the preaching of the gospel, I encountered the Lord through you caring for me and loving me. Right? We're to do these things. Jesus actually calls us to lie to the world, and he says that your good deeds would be seen and that they would glorify God. That's what it means to be the light of the world. They, God wants us to actually, people to see us, or I would argue feel <laughs> the good work coming to them and say, God is real. Give us real quick some things that you feel like we can do individually or as a church and, uh, you know, obviously there's the, the easy one, foster and adopt. But what does that maybe some of that look like uh, broadly? Okay. Well, uh, I'll start with, um, you know, Child Share is about 28 years old. And I'll start with um, how we started. Our, our founder, Dr. Mary Rotsine, was a, uh, a student at the, uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. She was uh, getting her thesis in, uh, in theology and also mental health. And she was sent to a place called McLaren Hall. Anyone ever heard of McLaren Hall? Okay, Claren Hall, kind of a holding tank uh, for kids that have been uh, put in the foster care system. And uh, really a, more of like a prison, probably the most horrendous place that we know in this uh, city. Um, it no longer exists, thank God, um, but it was horrible. And she was sent there uh, to do a paper and kind of see what was going on. When she walked in, and this is 1985, um, the halls were lined with cribs of babies just crying that were addicted to cocaine, Cocaine was the big thing back then, and these kids were abandoned and going through withdrawals, and there was no one there to hold them. So she was mortified. She went back to her pastor and said, Pastor, doesn't the Word of God say that we're supposed to care for them? And he said, Yes. Well, what do you want to do? <laughs> she says, Well, I think that if we send a message and let people know that there's kids out there that need to be loved and those people respond in kind and say I want to be that person to love these children and then our church supports those people doing that that's what I want to do 
And that's the model of child share. So as a church, that's what we do. Um, people, there are some, not everyone in this room is called to be a foster parent or adopted parent, but everyone's called to care or visit the orphan. It says it right there. So there's something everybody can do, but there are those who will say, yeah, we're going to do it. But there's some who, hey, I can bring them meals the first couple of weeks that, um, that they have that baby because I know that's a, a transition. And if they need a crib, we could probably get them a crib or we could do these things that they need to support. Or you know what? Let's give them a date night. Let's go babysit. So they can go have a date night, you know, just like you would naturally if someone in this, in this congregation had a baby. You throw them a shower. You do all those things. That's just support. That's just love. It's real easy, and it's real fun. So that's how, uh, that's one thing you guys can do to think about. You know what? I can't take in a child, but I could sure do these other things. Um, so that's, that's um, what you can do as far as that goes. Um, and, and there are a myriad. We're kind of in crisis right now in the foster care system. There are there are babies hitting the foster care system at such a rate that agencies in the county are saying, we don't have enough homes. We do not have enough homes. So they're getting very creative. You can care for a child for 21 days until we find a more permanent placement. It's from one spectrum to the other, from very temporary emergency care to adoption. So whatever that looks like in between, there's a place for you. Because you might say, well, I'm a little older. I, I don't see myself as adopting, but I, I'd love to love a child. You know, and uh, I actually uh, have a gentleman. That's all he does. He just wants to love them because he realizes that this is really hard on them. To be taken from their family, they're, they're not told where they're going or anything like that. He just wants to love them, and he makes it like a day camp. They go places every day, and he just loves on them. It might be for a week. It might be for a month, but he just knows it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Um, so that's that's what uh, you guys can do as a church. I, I love that, that we as a church can rise up and be a community where it happens. There might be just even one family in our church that says, I'm, we're going to adopt or we're going to foster, and yet the whole church can come along and do that. But even still, uh, parents with, uh, or single parents, uh, a, a, mom, you know, a, a, a sister in Christ, a brother in Christ in this church can become a mentor. Uh, can be the, I've seen this happen before in our church where, where uh, a single mom had, uh, you know, some sons and a, and a young man mentored them for a period. But can you imagine what it would be like to be that, uh, I don't know if this man's a believer you're talking about, but this man that would take him. Can you imagine being that kid who says, I, I don't know who that man, you know, when you're 20-something, I don't know who that man was, but all I remember is he loved me and we went around and, and he was a Christian. That makes a big difference, isn't it? See, what I was saying earlier, we're not just to be known for a people who say no to sin and resist the cultural influences. We do need to do that. In fact, even things like abortion, right? We need to be known for, no, that's not okay. It's not okay to murder children. Well then, but we've got to be known for adoption then. Does it make sense? And I don't say that condemningly. I mean like, of course, we're to be known for no, that's murder. But we also must be known for this is what we do to bring healing and wholeness. And that's really what happened in the early church and throughout church history. But in the Roman era, they would just leave babies in the fields to die. That's how they would perform abortions. And it was the church that began to embrace them, adopt them, and bring them into the community. And so that's what we want to be. We want to be people who, uh, who help. Um, their child share, I know, I'm just going to say it this way, and then you'll give us details at the informational lunch. Child share helps with resources, helps with support groups, helps with training. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, when he says there's a huge range he means it. It's like if, if, if they're, they're, the child chairs that are protect you, they're not the fostering uh, agency necessarily, right? You're, you're, you're the in-between, and they're there to support Christ followers and the churches and, then, and to help us become that kind of community. And I, I love it because, you know, you, you know, I think I made a comment to you that, well, you know, we have a young son at two years old, and we have a daughter who's four, and, you know, I do want to be wise and protect them, not, not because of uh, the us versus them, but Bob understands, you know, there is uh, sometimes people come from some backgrounds and you want to make sure that the, the kids are safe and your kids are safe. So he says, of course, we would never put any family at risk or you would make sure that the child that you're fostering or adopting will be younger. Or, I mean, I remember you just, you and I, were, he and, him and I were just dialoguing, just openly. And I, I just thought, yeah, that's amazing that there's people there to help you. Uh, sometimes you sign up with the foster care system and there's so many, so much need, they'll say, take five. Could you take six? Take two, and you're like, I can't handle it. But sometimes people will just say yes, and then they burn out, and then they're out. Well, child share is there to help protect you and say, no, no, wh- why don't you just do one, or why don't you just do... 
And so uh, what Bob's going to do is we're going to have an informational lunch uh, after we, you know, right now we're, in a few minutes we're going to wrap up and we're going to respond to this word. And Bob's going to be back through the table if you just want to maybe grab some information or say, shake his hand. Uh, but also we're going to go down to the nursery room, which is just down the hallway, and uh, you'll see a banner out there. And we're going to have some pizza, and uh, uh, we're going to have an informational lunch for, you know, 30, 45 minutes or something like that. Or, and he's going to give more detail. And so here's the deal. If, you, if you're young and you're a single and you're thinking, man, one day I want to do that, that, this meeting is for you. This not, meeting is not for like, he's go, it's not a timeshare meeting. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Timeshare? Time, yeah, it's child share, not timeshare. That's a, hey, that's a good joke. And you guys should use that. Yeah, all right. I, all right, I'm funny. No, I'm messing. Okay. So it's not a timeshare meeting. You're not going to be forcing anything. So it, honestly, no matter what spectrum you're on, let's say you're a Say so you're a parent of adult children. You say, oh, I know my child wants to do that, but they're living in some other, you know, uh, place, you know, you know, Texas or something. And you say, well, hey, you know, maybe we should just learn about it so we understand what they're doing or gather resources for friends of mine. You know, maybe you know a friend that wants to do it, and you think, well, I should go and hear what Bob has to say, and maybe I can give them that resource. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not thinking just about ourselves or if I'm going to do it next week. We're just thinking, hey, Holy Spirit, I would like to know some more information, or Bob, and then but the Holy Spirit through Bob to just kind of sow that seed into our heart, okay? So that's really, that's really what the informational meeting is about. But in, in, in wrapping up, I'd like to invite uh, the worship team and the prayer teams up to the front, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to respond, and we're going to sing that, that song, God of Justice. As you got, many of you know, that song, God of Justice, is, has a lot of phrases that are biblical, but also a lot of phrases that we use around here at the church. And um, I, I want us to respond to the Lord and gi- give our hearts to Him and invite Him to move on our hearts. I remember when Michelle, I don't even know if we were, well, okay, I, I remember we weren't even married when Michelle talked about fostering, and we had a friend uh, who now has adopted, those of you who know Shannon and Dan Chance, they adopted a baby girl. And I remember they would talk about this fostering and adopting, and, I, you know, it sounds nice from a distance, but I remember Michelle, I mean, here we are probably engaged, Michelle's talking about fostering and such, and I was thinking, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, we didn't even have any kids back then, and I was already overwhelmed. I, just the idea of even parenting my own children freaked me out. I don't know, men, if you're like me, but it's like, well, I don't know. I think I'm going to screw up my own kids, not let alone somebody else's kids, you know? Honestly, I was freaked out. I was overwhelmed, all of that. And I remember, though, when we were newly married. So I remember fast-forwarding to when we were newly married. And it was one of those, like, hey, like, Give me some space. I mean, we're not, we weren't talking about doing it tomorrow. It was more like just in the conversation, it was overwhelming. And I said, hey, you know, just, you know, just, whoa, I'm a little overwhelmed by that. And I said, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not promising that we'd ever do anything like that. Like, I don't even know if I could handle that. And, uh, and so I kind of was a little off standish about it, to be honest with you. But not like in a mean way or anything. And I remember seeking the Lord, you know, as I do every day, just seeking the Lord and spending time with Him. And the Lord was so healing my heart and filling me with His love. And the Lord was revealing to me His Father's love to me. And as I was experiencing the Father's heart, I remember coming to a point, really being overwhelmed by His love for me, and I could see it. Faith sees, doesn't it? Faith sees what unbelief can't. And all of a sudden, as I'm experiencing Father's love, I could see the Father's heart, and I could see myself loving not just my own kids, but kids that weren't mine. You know, because that sometimes people say, well, they're not my own. Could you love them? Yeah, because you got Father's love. And all of a sudden, I could see myself loving somebody that wasn't my own. I could see myself handling it. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, we're overwhelmed because we're so focused on our own life. We're busy, we're task-oriented, we're trying to uh, become somebody, we're trying to achieve some goal, but the Lord wants to so fill us with His love that we can do it. Now having three kids, those of you who have had more than one kid, or even just one kid, you understand how you're filled with love, and it can be tiring and overwhelming, especially when you have babies and they're crying, or... but you find yourself with enough love. 
and you find you have another kid and you have enough love. Now, as a parent of three, I can see myself loving more kids just simply because I understand what it looks like to love more than one child. That's more of a logistical. But I'm saying before I ever had a kid in my young, early 20s, I found the Lord so filling my heart that I realized I could, I could, I could love. I could love. See, that's, that's what we need. Does that make sense? We need the encounter with Jesus' righteousness to move us to a place of being the righteousness to others. His righteousness. We need the Father's love to so heal us that we become love to this world. Do you see how that's a work of grace? I love that phrase, I must go. Or we must go. You want to know why I love that phrase? It's not I should. It's not I should have. It's not I have to. It's not I can't. And it's definitely not I might. See, I should is kind of that legalism, isn't it? That condemnation. I should have is that regret. I might is that passivity that we often will do that to the Lord sometimes. I want to obey you. I, I might obey you. Or I should. We put this false guilt on ourselves. See, when we talk about the least, the little, and the lost, I recognize that many of us, we fall into false guilt. We see the pain of somebody else and we feel guilty. You should not feel guilty for being blessed by the Lord. Freely receive, freely give. We are unashamed about receiving from the Lord. But we don't want to be a people who live in condemnation or false guilt and then resist the conviction or the compassion of the Lord. Does that make sense? Sometimes we're so filled with false guilt that we actually avoid the pain of compassion. What we need to do is just allow the Lord's grace and the Lord's forgiveness and the Lord's love to heal us. And here's what happens. When you receive Christ's righteousness, when you receive the work of the Spirit, you move from I can't to I want to to I must. See, I must is the voice of consecration. It's the voice of obedience. It's the voice of my spirit's willing. It's the voice of, it's not my righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. That's what we say when we have been, when we're walking in the spirit. I must. Not, I, I, I can't, or I should have, or I should, or somebody else should. <laughs> what ha- when we walk in the spirit, He delivers us from passivity and disobedience, and He empowers us to take responsibility, to become fathers and mothers to our own children, but also to become the people who bless and to care and love those who are Jesus' responsibility. Remember I said, if they're His responsibility, they're our responsibility, amen? Because He said, if you've done unto the least of these, you have done unto me, amen? So can we sing this to the Lord? With faith and with consecration, I must go. Don't shirk the responsibility. Don't sing this with condemnation. No, just come before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm forgiven. I've received. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And now I consecrate my heart. I must go. I must be a person that goes where you go and says what you says and makes disciples and feeds the poor and, 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 and stands beside the broken and cares for those orphans and those widows. Amen? Because we don't want to just hear the word, we want to obey the word. So let's stand up and let's respond. So Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you've been teaching us about your grace and your love and your compassion and your righteousness. We want to be conduits of your kingdom. And so we say, yes, Lord, here are we, send us. We need to be filled. We know it. We know we need you. But we also say, send us, Lord. And we make a commitment to you. We make a covenant with you. We are your people, Lord. We must go. Lord, we sing this with faith, as I just talked about. We sing this with a consecrated heart. That we are no longer sinners. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Weapons of righteousness in your hand. We present our bodies to you as living sacrifices. For you and for the sake of this world, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing it.
Let's go. 